Hey everyone, and welcome to the Corner Bible Church podcast, Asking for a Friend series. My name, as always, is Dante, and with me, I have, once again, Davis and Rich. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Pastor Davis didn't let me answer the last time we did this together, so <laughs> I wanted to get that in there this time. Doing good. <laughs> good. Very good. And uh, today we have a new question. Why do we not do altar calls at Corner Bible? And uh, I'll define what an altar call is. It's uh, when... After preaching a service, inviting people to respond to the message of salvation by coming up to the front of the church and praying to receive Christ. So uh, why would you guys say that Corner Bible does not? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, I would say that we we do them, just not in the traditional sense. So, But actually, this question came in to our elder team at Corner, and we thought this would be a great uh, conversation to have on the podcast. It gives you a little bit of an insight to who we are and, and what we do. Um, and I'll give a short answer to the actual question here that we believe there really isn't a portion of scripture that mandates what we would consider an altar call or people coming forward after a, after a sermon, uh, because we've ushered them forward. Uh, we, we say that, but it, it's certainly not something that is sinful to do. So I don't want to say that we just don't do them because it's sinful. Uh, we just don't see scripture that mandates them. So we do it in a little bit of a different way. And really to piggyback off of that, I want to historically spotlight some of these things because they didn't actually become very popular until uh, late in the 20th century. And Davis will talk about that here in just a second. But uh, Charles Finney era is when they started to really get uh, highlight this where people would come forward after a sermon. And they really, it was a kind of a sales pitch. And I don't want to say that in a, a negative light, but it was a sales pitch to, to come forward and have your life changed. And then it was adopted and adapted by the Billy Graham crusades as a means of ushering crowds toward uh, a decision. Davis, do you think that uh, summarizes it well? And, and what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic summary. I think uh, there was a lot of times where they would often quote a di- couple different uh, portions of scripture to kind of uh, kind of back up what they were saying with the whole Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, often citing they would uh, do Matthew ten thirty two, uh, which is talking about um, acknowledging Christ before men uh, to make an, a salvation claim official, or they would cite uh, Matthew four nineteen uh, when Jesus invited people to follow him, and he expected an immediate response. Um, and I think the I think that was as well intentioned, uh, but uh, the actual context of these passages are more in the individual conversion than they are in the the church service setting, if we want to say it that way. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think just to piggyback off of that, we're not saying either of these individuals that I named personally are bad. Right, uh, right. I, like, I love Billy Graham. Um, I haven't read a, a ton on Finney. I know a little bit about him. Uh, read, a, 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 I would say, a, a medium, medium amount of, of texts on Finney, but specifically Billy Graham. I think I've read literally every book uh, that he has written, and I really, really enjoy his writings and his style of delivery. So I, I want to make sure we highlight that first. Uh, neither of those individuals are bad. Um, we just look at it a little bit differently in this context. So uh, as Pastor Davis said, we look at it as an individual uh, conversation. Um, here at Corner, we believe that the gospel presentation is best suited for intentional small groups or one-on-one conversations. And I'm actually going to have Pastor Davis read a passage from Acts uh, chapter 16, verses 25 through 34 real quick to kind of highlight that for you. Yeah, I got to pull it up right here. Uh, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. 
The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison's doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Uh, And if you see that, the initial conversation started very intentionally. But it wasn't so much that they did a phenomenal sermon or, you know, they even taught anything about Jesus verbally. It was that the jailer saw something and it was different and unique. And in that intentional small group conversation, that one-on-one conversation, he actually asks them, what, what do I got to do next? Uh, I mean, I, I clearly see something different in you. So what do I need to do now? And we do that in the small group or one-on-one conversation style rather than a large group because we want the decision to be considered. In Luke 14, 28, it says that we should always consider the weight of our responses and our actions. So we want to make sure that the weight of such a decision to follow after Jesus Christ is not an emotional response. And of course it is emotional, but we don't want it to be only considered through the lens of emotion. Another another passage would be the day of Pentecost that uh, the word was preached and those that were saved asked the apostles, what should they do next? And Peter did not drive them to make a decision. We see that in Acts 2, 37. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Again, they, they do hear a, a word and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, they respond to Peter. Okay. And the rest of the apostles with a question, Peter doesn't pose this question. They do to him. Brothers, what shall we do? So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls. So again, they had already received the word here in the Romans road analogy. We often use that here. It's applied here in the sense of salvation, but an unsaved man is in the flesh. So how can we invite his flesh forward to make an impossible decision about spiritual things? So again, they, they make the decision privately, uh, a previous, excuse me, not privately, previous to actually being prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask, what do we do next? And so I think that's a, a big a point of, of emphasis for us is that you can't really have an unsaved man make a, a spiritual decision. It just doesn't work that way. The only way that they recognize that the Holy Spirit or that, that they need Jesus is that the Holy Spirit enters them and it prompts their heart to repent. So again, we don't want it to be an emotional decision. We want it to be a considered and weighted decision prompted by the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Yeah. So, and um, off of that, what would you say, how how does Corner Bible partake in in, in altar calls? Yeah, I can jump in on that one. Please Uh, do, because I just said a whole lot of words. Yeah, you need some water, man. I can't breathe. So, yeah, we have presented in the past, uh, the need for following Jesus is not a... We haven't expressed it in like the traditional sense of an altar call. Um, And we desire this call to response not only to be a means of salvation, but we also see it in the realms of sanctification as well. So um, what we do here at Corner is we basically try to make room uh, for a response uh, to happen. Um, In fact, if you've been here at our church for any length of time, 
Um, you've probably seen a couple altar calls that we have done, um, usually at the end of our service. And um, we don't usually just do it for salvation, but we do it for anything someone might be struggling with. Um, if you've been at our church at all, after church, you know that there is a prayer team that's right up front to pray with you uh, after the service if you need prayer. And they are there for everything from salvation to struggling with uh, depression or anxiety or worrying about the kids or anything that's going on, uh, we try to make room for sanctification to take place as well as salvation. Yeah, a response to the Holy Spirit, right? A prompting from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, correct, yeah. And so uh, what would you guys say are some of your personal experiences with altar calls? Yeah, I'll start start with this. Actually, if I can backtrack just a quick second to piggyback off of Davis, what we do here at Corner, Um, there are times that, uh, so traditionally speaking, altar calls happen at the end of service where there's a, a prompting to come forward. And we kind of do it wherever the Lord says to do it. So the spirit prompts in either Pastor Mike, who leads the music team here at church. He can he has the freedom to actually say that while he's he's playing a song. Um, if he feels like the Lord is, is saying, hey, t- there needs to be a decision made here. Uh, Pastor Mike can actually stop for a second and say that. He, he has done it. I mean, you guys have seen, if you attend Corner, you've seen him call prayer teams forward and, and let the Holy Spirit convict and respond in accordance to that. Uh, pastor Davis has done it. Uh, pastor David, who's another teaching pastor on our team here, has done it. Uh, and I've actually done it before in a sense of uh, Pastor Davis was supposed to be teaching that day. And, and I felt like the Spirit was tugging on me to to open up the altar. And I, I stepped into Pastor Davis, kind of whispered in his ear. It may have been a little awkward for everybody. It, it was slightly awkward. It was yeah. slightly awkward. But we want to, again, let the the... The prompting of the Holy Spirit lead our decision-making. We don't want to just get through the hour-long service. Uh, we want it to be a gathering of the body of Christ where the Spirit can move. So uh, I asked if I could just interject for a second. I did. Someone came forward, and they responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in them. And my goodness, those that individual specifically is on fire right now, uh, bringing people every week. Uh, two people are you know set to get baptized here shortly. Um and it's a phenomenal thing just because we, we make room for response. We don't necessarily pull people forward. Yeah, absolutely. So our personal uh, dealings with altar calls, uh, I responded personally to an altar call four times. Um, I know that's not where I actually committed my life to Christ. Uh, I remember specifically being alone, being prompted by only the Spirit of God uh, in that moment to and convicted. I was reading his word. I was reading uh, the gospel of John in my parents' bed as a 17 year old and literally started weeping uncontrollably. So I remember that that was my altar call personally. It wasn't in front of anybody. Um, Now my confession came through baptism in front of everybody else. But, but in that moment, I know that the Lord broke my heart and I realized in my, my need for him. So my actual altar call individually was by myself. And obviously I called someone and they prayed with me, Uh, but that goes back to why, you know, we view it as a, an individual or a small group kind of conversation too, um, because I think Davis has had similar experiences. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in the Baptist church, and uh, I grew up, my church had an altar call probably every Sunday, and it was usually pertaining to 
salvation. Um, and they, I never felt like it was done in the spirit of like manipulation or yeah. anything like that. It was just the altar was open. Um, but I've been to uh, plenty of churches uh, growing up. Uh, my parents are, were our missionaries, and so we went to a lot of different Baptist churches growing up to present our, the ministry and that kind of stuff. And there was usually an altar call at the end of service, and um, there was there was a lot of times where it, it felt like super super manipulative. You know, you would have the the speaker up there, you know, asking everybody to with every head bowed and eyes closed, you know, raise your hand if you want to be saved and. I was a curious kid, so sometimes I would look up and nobody's raising their hand, but the guy up front's like, I see that hand. I see that hand. So he he's the one that kept his eyes open the whole time. Jeez. Yeah, my that goodness. was that was me. Uh my bad. Uh but uh yeah, so like my my uh experience with them wasn't always extremely positive. Yeah. Um so uh that's uh, one of the things I grew up with, but yeah, I, after coming up to corner and uh even through some time in college, really seeing that uh Altar calls can be a really good tool for as the spirit leads uh, rather than using them for uh, manipulation. Yeah, for sure. And just to highlight again, we don't, we don't view them as sinful, right? We, there are elders at our church that, and people that have responded to altar calls. So we certainly don't view them as sinful. We do practice them. It just looks a little bit different than your traditional one in our sense, in our era. So, you know, in the 20th century, like we talked about with, with Billy Graham, we, we certainly don't want it to be emotional and, but we also don't want it to be um, unintentional. So sometimes, like we talked about in the, the previous podcast, you just check your box of doing quiet times. We, we actually don't want to just check the box that we've, you know, invited people to the altar just for goodness sakes, right? You know, like there's, there's an opportunity here. We need to do it. We need to do it. But God doesn't miss opportunities even if we don't present it. He, his word does not return void no matter, you know, who's presenting it or no matter if we don't ask the sales pitch question at the end, you know, trying to get, make sure that they, they heard it one last time before they leave because that's our only option. Um, that's not true. God uh, does what he wants to do no matter the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I can think of a couple times after being done preaching and maybe we didn't offer an altar call that time, but uh, someone came up after service, you know, yeah, and I was absolutely. Like, hey, can I come talk to you? Um, I really, I really need to talk to you. Uh, I'm dealing with X, Y, or Z. And, uh, and uh, that was kind of like an, an altar call, quote unquote, in that sense where the person who really did need to talk came forward without even having an official altar call. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you just creating a culture that's intentional in that, that leaves room for the spirit to respond. And, but you still have to give proper instructions, right? Like there is the, the prayer team is up front after service. The prayer team is in the back. If you'd like to talk to one of us pastors, you can come up and have that conversation because you never know what you're going to get. But uh, personally, again, this is a personal thing here. I believe wholeheartedly that altar calls are not just supposed to be for salvation, but sanctification that God gives us moments to respond to his word, whether it's to sanctify and, 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 you know, become holy as he calls us to become holy, but also to, you know, save our souls. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, if you have any more questions about, uh, altar calls or anything like that, feel free to reach out to the pastors or, uh, uh, contact us at cornerbiblepod at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Have another question next week. Sounds good.